glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the room already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Not only are we one of many podcasts, but again, there are a ton of wonderful podcasts a part of this network. You can find the likes of Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto of SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a many, or many, my goodness, guys, a ton of great other great podcasts, all on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies all in one place. Today's podcast, we're bringing it back. We were not able to do it in week one due to the failed Vegas trip and uh, me being sick, although I am now sick again, unfortunately. We're bringing back the famous Friday preview show, something that a lot of people liked last year. Dennis will be joining me here in just a minute, and we were going to run through every single game on the Sunday slate, including the Monday night football game. Give you guys our quick thoughts on everything, who you should start, who you shouldn't start. So, And, of course, we will uh, recap the, well, I give the football game that was played. I was going to say the great football game. It's not a great football game. The football game that was played on Thursday night. So let's get Dennis in here and let's start talking about all of this football. <laughs> And we are welcoming back Dennis for the first time in almost about a week. I think the last time we had you on was uh, last Saturday when you were in Vegas. So it's good to have you back on the podcast. How have you been? You know, I'm like a salmon swimming upstream to spawn. I'm just keeping at it, just trying to stay stay focused, keep, keep swimming away, keep swimming. I'm just swimming, man. The water keeps coming at me, and I just keep swimming. But that, I guess that's all you can do this time of year. Yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, as much as uh, people in, in, that are in this industry like you and me are, especially with the amount of responsibilities you have, not just with uh, with helping me on the podcast and, and doing this, but also everything you do at Dynasty Nerds, that as much as we want football season to get here, once it actually gets here, it, we kind of forget how much work we have to put into a lot of this stuff. And so it kind of becomes a, a little bit overwhelming at times. But uh, we did have a, a football game last night between the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's go ahead and break that down. First and 10 at the Lions 29. And Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it. Chubb runs, he's to the 15, he's to the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. There goes Chubb, he's to the 30, 20. 
arm at him. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Off by Nick. Stay oh home. My God. Oh my God. Carolina Panthers side here since they technically, well not even technically, since they lost that game here. Uh, we're going to start with Cam Newton, who really did, uh, at least in my opinion, and I, I'll be honest with you, all you guys here, I only wa- was able to watch till about halftime of the game last night uh, due to my, my work and being up so early. But from what I saw in the first couple quarters, he did not, I don't want to say he looked bad, but he was very inaccurate. Came in with 21.7 points in this one. Uh, I mean, uh, was 25 of 51 for 333 yards. Still zero rushing yards on the season. Technically negative two yards. So, and it's something I touched on with Matt on uh, Monday's episode. No, I'm sorry, on Thursday's episode when we previewed the game. Uh, this would have been the first time now, or second time, uh, the game Sunday was the first time in 131 career games. Cam Newton had uh, not had more, uh, had had at least not no rushing yards. He got negative two in that first game. So sorry, guys, I cannot talk today. My mind is all over the place. Uh, so this is now two games in a row, though, that he has not done anything rushing, which is a you know a, a big departure of what Cam has been the past couple of years. So what were your thoughts on Cam and, and everything that went down in this Tampa Bay game? All right. So. We shouldn't be surprised that Cam Newton isn't accurate. Cam Newton has never been known for his accuracy. But he makes up for it with his mobility, and that's gone. Whatever's happening with his foot or his leg or his knee, it's not right. And so Cam isn't able to make those running plays that he used to. So then the running game is going to fall on Christian McCaffrey, who... As good as he is, I don't think he's built for 30, 35 carries a game. He needs to have, you know, 18 carries and a dozen targets as opposed to, you know, 25 carries. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there were some drops. Cam had some, you know, I, I've got an eight-year-old son who loves football, and we pay, play catch with the football all the time. Uh, I'm old and inaccurate. And oftentimes the conversation we have is, Hey, man, your job as a receiver is to make your quarterback look good. And and so Cam Cam's receivers last night had some opportunities to make some catches. Yes, they were tough catches, but they some of them they, they should have made. Uh, they did make some good plays. They, they, they all in all, you know, between uh, – Samuel and DJ Moore, they put up 190 yards receiving on 14 catches between the two of them. Uh, Greg Olson added another 110. So plays were being made, but there were just some plays that were missed that kind of hamstrung the Panthers' offense. Uh, And when that happens, you'll see a game like McCaffrey had yesterday where he averaged 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, McCaffrey only caught two passes. He carried the ball 16 times. Short week after, I, I think he carried the ball 29 times last week. Uh, he had so, 19, 
19 carries and 10 catches, so 29 touches. All right, together. so 29 touches last week. So if he's gonna if he's gonna get that kind of volume week to week, these short weeks, I think this might be what you're gonna have to expect from McCaffrey if you're playing. Well, and I guess coming into this, we all kind of thought the Tampa defense wasn't very good, so they stepped up their game uh, against a, a struggling Cam Newton. Yeah. Uh, I like. I, I think that it presents a couple opportunities. Uh, I don't think McCaffrey, Samuel, and uh, uh, DJ Moore. I don't think you're going to be able to get them low. But if you're in a super flex league and you've got your second quarterback is a Case Keenum or something like that, a Joe Flacco, I, I think going out and getting Cam as a second quarterback might be a great move. Okay. Yeah, I mean we. Uh... We touched a little bit on it in the preview for Thursday. I actually thought, uh, so it's funny, I, uh, Christian McCaffrey was 121 yards away, all-purpose yards away, from breaking Steve Smith's record of most yards in uh, in the first two games of an NFL season by Carolina Panther. Me and Matt both thought that he would get it. However, I did mention that Tampa Bay's defense since last year has actually been very good against the run, but horrible against the pass. So we both thought that they might try and make Cam Newton beat them and focus in on Christian McCaffrey, and it does seem like they did that, as McCaffrey only got you 6.3 points in fantasy Thursday night compared to the whopping 44 or 42 that he got in week one. You know, you mentioned DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, I think, actually took a step forward. I called for him to have a uh, a big game on Thursday's podcast and almost had my prediction come true. I said he was going to have like a 40, that. 40 to 50-yard bomb. And had, had Cam Newton hit him in stride, that would have happened. But still, I felt like had a good game altogether. 11.8 points in fantasy. Uh, five receptions for 91 yards. Was targeted 13 times compared to the four in week one. Uh, and then DJ Moore, uh, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Me and Matt both talked about it. I think with the way that he is being targeted in this offense, so 10 targets in week one, 14 in week two, nine catches for 89 yards, I think he's a firm starter every single week now. We, I mean, this is a couple weeks in a row. He was doing it at the end of last year as well, putting up double-digit fantasy points. I think he's, in my opinion, secured himself as that wide receiver two or flex option for most teams. What What are your thoughts on Moore? I, I think if if – Unless you're starting one wide receiver, you're you should probably be starting more. I think <laughs> okay. he's definitely in the wide receiver two category on a week to week basis. He may have some games where he's he has a particularly tough matchup, but even now after two weeks, we we still need uh, probably another week or maybe even two weeks to play out before we see who's who the really good defenses are and who the really pretend to be good defenses are. Uh, and, and the same with offenses. You know, so many starters don't play in preseason or play single-digit snaps in preseason, but we're still functionally in the preseason of the NFL. Yeah. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. I, I do think more, you know, there was a lot of talk in the offseason about, oh, Who's the real number one there? It, it's DJ Moore. But Curtis Samuel on a week-to-week basis is going to be a flex-worthy play with high wide receiver two upside. You know, like if he, he if Cam hits him with that 50-yard bomb for a touchdown last night, you know, we're talking pretty big numbers, 140 yards and, you know, a touchdown to go with another reception. Yeah. 
So those those plays are going to be there. Uh, Greg Olson looked fantastic, though. Yeah. I I think if you're playing in a tight end premium league, this may be a, a great opportunity to go. And you, maybe you have to play pay market value, but if he's going to put up six catches for 70 yards every week or five catches for 70 yards, you know, he had a hundred he, he was downfield yesterday. Uh, and there are some teams that just give up chunks to the tight end. So he put up six for 110 yesterday. And that that's an outstanding day uh, for Greg Olson. It may be his last season, but if you're going for the championship and you need a, a high floor tight end, this might be your guy. Yeah, as long as he can stay healthy, I think he should. Him and him and Delaney Walker. We we talked a little bit about Delaney Walker when we uh, reviewed the week when he uh, destroyed. I think they played some high school team on last, last Sunday. I can't remember who they played exactly, but Delaney Walker looked amazing. Uh, so maybe you know Greg Greg uh, Greg Olson has visited the Fountain of Youth here and is is going to return to his tight end one ways for the last season. I w- I would love. Nothing else but to see that because that dude is a phenomenal human being alone. If you guys uh, know anything about him and, and, and stuff that him and his family have dealt with off the field, uh, I would love to see Greg Olson go out on a high note. Uh, so let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won this game. Uh, we'll we'll uh, address the, I guess, most non-important factor on this team, a guy that I thought uh, might actually do some work in this one. That was Ronald Jones, just four carries in this one for nine yards. Did seem to get hurt again, uh, so we got that going for us, just 0.9 points in fantasy. With that happening, Peyton Barber got uh, the the bulk of the carries in this one. Uh, and, and week one, they both split. Uh, actually, Jones had more attempts than Barber in week one, but Barber took the reins and ran with it in this one. 23 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown gets you 15 points in fantasy. And again, we, we've talked about this many times over the past year or so. Uh, you not being necessarily someone who thinks Peyton Barber is like a, a RB1 or RB2, but a guy who will give you consistent numbers. He, yeah, I believe the way you put it is he's a jag, but he's going to get you numbers. Uh, so he does it again, and it looks like moving forward he's going to be the guy. Uh, uh, Jameis Winston has a better game than what he had last week. Obviously, doesn't turn the ball over in this one. 16-25, 208 yards, and a touchdown, getting you 13 points in fantasy. Uh, before we move on to the wide receivers, Jameis Winston, a guy a lot of people had a lot of hope coming into this year. I know I was one of the detractors. Uh, we've talked about this many times. Love Bruce Arians, but I did not believe in Jameis Winston to be able to propel this offense. What are your thoughts on Winston? I don't want to overreact, but we are, we're we're two games in now, and he has not done much in either game. So what are your thoughts on him so far? Well, I think the jury is still out. Um, you know, I, I can see see a scenario where he needs to learn the offense better. Uh, he needs to, you know, he's still getting comfortable in a new offense with new requirements. He's got a coach that is putting a new set of demands on him. He's got a couple phenomenal wide receivers, and I, I, you know, he's he's in that he's in the back half of the superflex area for me. You know, he's going to be in that 18 to 24 range. Uh, and if you think that the chances that he, you know, if you look at his, if you, if you look at Evans and you look at Godwin and you think, man, these guys are going to put up some numbers, 
then Winston, you know, they got to get the numbers from somewhere, and that's going to be Winston. So let's ride that. And, and so you've got a, a mid to low wide or quarterback two in super flex. You know, it's not, you can't have a, you can't have an RB one, QB one, wide receiver one at every single position in your lineup. So don't, don't be out on Winston. Look around, but you know, you want Winston or you want Joe Flacco? Yeah. You want Winston or you want Case Keenum? I mean, you want Winston or you want Gardner Minshew? I mean, honestly, uh, those last two give me Keenum and Minshew, but we'll talk about those guys mm-hmm. when we get to uh, when we get to our Friday previews. Because um, or I'm, yeah, our Friday preview stuff. Because I'm, I'm I'm excited about both of those guys. Actually, uh, I actually almost forgot about OJ Howard. Gives you the big goose egg again, or not again this week. Gives you the goose egg this week. Just four point two points in fantasy. Uh, I'm pretty sure we were both on the same page in this one, but I could be wrong. So. Uh, please let me know if I am wrong, but I don't believe either one of us were that high on O.J. Howard because the Titans have never really been featured in Bruce Arians' offense. Are you worried at this point moving forward with O.J. Howard? If I'm counting on him to help me win this year, I am worried. Okay. I'm not counting on him to help me win this year, so I think this is a beautiful opportunity to go buy, buy Howard dirt cheap and then ride it out for a year, maybe two, maybe two years. The dude is talented. He is super talented, and his time is going to come. Uh, unfortunately, our league mates listen to the podcast, so now they're not going to sell him to me for cheap. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to try. I, I think when you're playing Dynasty, you want to get the best assets you can get, and Howard is a phenomenal tight end. He's a, he's a good blocker, an exceptional receiver. Uh, maybe he's not going to be used the right way in this offense, but maybe they use him as a bargaining chip to get a guy at another position. You know, if they go flip Howard for an offensive lineman or they go flip Howard for uh, somebody to beef up their defense, you know, they've got Cameron Brake, who is the type of uh, tight end that, that seems to fit the Aryan system. Yeah. Good blocker, good receiver, but still a good blocker uh, and, and can be out there for every snap and isn't going to get hung up on uh, how many targets am I getting. So I, I see this as a great opportunity to go buy, try and buy O.J. Howard. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to go buy Mike Evans, too. Well, that's the perfect transition into the new uh, wide receiver, too, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a guy that uh, I have never been that high on, and he has sure proven me right right now, which is uh, which does make me feel a little bit good here. So four receptions for 61 yards on eight targets um, gets you a nope, – oh, my goodness, there we go. Gets you uh, 8.1 points, which is obviously better than week one, though he was dealing with the flu in week one, so I'll cut him a break on that. And then Chris Godwin, eight receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown on nine targets to get you 22.1 points in this one. A lot of people I've seen overreacting to this a little bit. I was just joking about the wide receiver, too. I still think he's the wide receiver one in this offense, but a lot of people are saying that it is now Chris Godwin. How do you feel this wide receiver core is shaking out right now? I I think that they're both going to be very highly ranked wide receivers. But I do think that it's still Mike Evans as the wide receiver one. Uh, you know, 
Winston, you know, Evans had a couple opportunities yesterday where he was open and Winston didn't hit him. Um, Evans does need to do a better job separating. And right now that is, uh, that's where Godwin has the edge is he's, he separates better. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it can't, Evans had 1,500 yards receiving last year. Uh, it's not like Winston doesn't know how to throw the ball to him. I mean, Evans has had 1,000, 1,200, 1,300, 1,500. Uh, Winston can get the ball to him just fine. Uh, so he's going to be fine. Uh, Godwin is the best number two receiver that they've had uh, there. So... Sure, there is the target distribution maybe going to be a little more fluid from game to game? Maybe, but I mean, Godwin had nine targets yesterday and Winston, uh, um, Evans had eight. It's not like it was, you know, one one had 14 and one had five. So the, the target distribution is still uh, pretty even. Evans, Evans will get his, I, I think, those people who are in love with Godwin right now, uh, you know, let let that uh, let all that hyperbole flow and go get you some cheap cheap shares of Mike Evans. <laughs> yeah, and, and something that I touched on in the show on Thursday when we previewed the game was that I actually said don't expect a huge game out of Mike Evans last year. In the two games that he played Carolina, he did not he did not get double-digit points in either one of them. In fact, together combined, he barely broke double digits. James Bradbury had shadowed him for the most part in both games and really had shut him down. Bradbury was on him a lot last night as well. Bradbury, a very good and underrated cornerback. Uh, so I think that is part of it. And he honestly just missed a touchdown as well. Uh, he had it in his hand, kind of juggled it, and, and fell out of bounds. So Mike Evans could have had a much bigger day, just missed a touchdown. I do agree with you as much as I like to hate on Mike Evans. Better days are coming for him. Uh, don't panic too too much just yet, unless it's someone else panicking, and in which case I do agree with Dennis. Buy low on him now if you can. Well, it's interesting because if you look, you know, Evans is getting the number one cut cornerback, yeah. and Godwin's going against the number two. You know, Juju is kind of facing uh, sort of – If Juju is an example of kind of what's happening in Tampa. Juju spent the first two years with Antonio Brown taking – the number one cornerback and Juju getting the number two, maybe the number three, if he is in the slot. So Godwin is getting the easier matchup versus Evans. Who's getting the top top guy. So they're going to get him, you know, he'll get his, you know, don't fret or sell him to me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Only fret if you're in a league with Dennis and you can sell him to Dennis. We eating all day, bro. So now we are going to be breaking down all of the 
Sunday games, full Sunday slate, like I used to do all of last year, as I mentioned in the intro, one of the uh, episodes that everybody apparently looked forward to every week. We will go through every single game, and since I have Dennis here with me, we will also do the Monday night football game as well, and then possibly, if we have time, some bold predictions at the end, just a couple... Uh, you know, just for fun, bold predictions, see, uh, make some calls on some players, see if we can't get them right. So the first game on the docket we have today is the Bills versus the Giants. Bills getting a point and a half. Giants side will start there first, since they really don't have anybody worth starting outside of Barkley and Ingram. We now know Sterling Shepard is out of this game. He is in the concussion protocol. Looks like Cody Latimer is dealing with an injury as well. He might not play. I mean, it's it. The Giants look like a Benny Fowler season. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, too bad. You know, in all honesty, it really sucks even more now that Corey Coleman tore his ACL. That was a, uh, uh, and in my opinion, a good call by you in the preseason. A guy who could have a really good year, and had he been there, I think he would have really been shining right now. But I, I did want to ask you about Eli Manning. Actually put up fairly decent numbers against the Dallas Cowboys last week in fantasy and in the NFL terms. Do you think he is worth starting in a Superflex league? Oh, I think so. Um, I think it depends on who, who your options are. Right. Um, he's typically going to be you know, on a 12-team. He might be your third quarterback. So, But if you, if you watch how he's doing uh, – that offensive line is playing better. And when he throws the ball to Barkley, those count as passing yards. And when Barkley scores a receiving touchdown, that counts as a touchdown for Eli Manning. So, uh, and Evan Ingram, man, he, he's balling out. He's now, he's could be the only show in town this week. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, 20 targets do a, do a body good, I guess. Uh, now, I... There's NFL play. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a rough day for Eli. I probably wouldn't start him this week. It's going to be rough just because of the talent he's working with. I think the line is better, but they'll be able to stack the line against Barkley and they'll be able to double team, team Engram. So then it comes down to can any of those other guys, can they make some plays? Is Latimer, or you said Latimer was out. Is Fowler no. going to be able to make some plays? Uh, Latimer is uh, not out. He's just dealing with an injury. I think the only one they've ruled out for sure right now is Sterling Shepard. He's in the concussion protocol. Okay, so, you know, if Latimer and Fowler can make some plays, and they've flashed over their careers, you know, neither one of them have been consistent, um, and they're not the kind of guys I think that are going to, you know, they're not going Brandon Lloyd on us. But, they, they have times where they flash, and they, and they get it done for a short period of time. So it's a rivalry game. It's Dallas against the Cow, uh, the Giants. And, you know, Eli, you know, he, he can pull a rabbit out of his hat like nobody's business. Just ask Bill Belichick. So if, that, if the, any of those things happen, you know, and then they've got, you know, they could bring Wayne Gallman in and maybe put Barkley out wide or put Gallman out wide and Barkley in the backfield. Both of them guys are very adept at catching the ball. And so there's going to be opportunities. Uh, Pat Shermer is going to have to be creative because he's not working with the highest level talent. Uh, It's, you know, these Rudys are going to have to step up. (laughs) 
All right, on the Bills side of things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to group all three of these guys together. You always have Josh Allen, who had a, a rough game last week, especially if you count in all the turnovers. But John Brown and Cole Beasley had decent games. Brown, a much better game with the uh, the touchdown, a little bit fluky with the, with the touchdown that he caught there. But what are you thinking about these three this week? The Giants obviously struggled mightily against Dallas and that offense in the passing game this past week. Do you think Josh Allen and John Brown are a worthy start this week? And do you think Cole Beasley is someone you should be looking at? You know, their deeper starts, uh, you know, Allen could potentially, because he, you know, he could be Cam Newton three years ago. So, you know, 53% completion and 50, 50 yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown. And that's going to be a good game if he puts up a couple hundred yards through the air. Um, Brown, I think Brown is going to be what he is, which is that deep threat. And if Allen gets the ball, get, get, has time, gets the ball down there, Beasley is who he is. He's your short guy. He's going to get you, you know, he's going to get you the first downs. He's a PPR guy. I, they're, they're both, Brown and Beasley are flex guys. Uh, especially, I'd probably consider them more in leagues where, deeper leagues where I'm looking at, you know, three wide receivers and two flexes maybe. You know, once I get down five deep in my wide receivers, uh, you know, there, there I'm pretty com- comfortable starting Brown and Beasley, you know, in the wide receiver four with, you know, low end wide receiver three upside. Yeah, I agree with you. For me, uh, Brown, I, I don't know if I'd start Beasley this week. I, I guess if in a deeper league like you were just talking about, I would. Brown, I think in even your standard 12-team leagues, I'd feel safe starting him as my uh, my flex spot. I think against this Giants team, he has a chance to have a good game. And Josh Allen, I've got him ranked right around the 15 spot this week. So I, I feel like if, if, you know, depending on where you are at quarterback, I feel like he could be a safe play, a guy with a lot of upside this week. Devin Singletary, a guy we've both been on all offseason, easy start for me this week, looked good in his limited, and I mean limited, amount of carries last week. Uh, I think he has a shot to jump up into that top. Uh, I actually think he finished in the top uh, 15 last week. I think he stays there this week. you have any concerns about Singletary going against these Giants? No, I, I – you know, the only concern is the amount of touches. NFL coaches get so stubborn. And and I love Frank Gore. You know, he, he's, he's, you know, everybody's grandpa. But at some time, at some point, you, you have to, you have to roll the dice and you got to give that young guy the ball. And Singletary just is showing when you get the ball in his hand, he's making plays. So get the ball in his hand. Yeah. Let's, you know, what have you got to lose? All right. Pick them time. I am taking the Bills. Who are you taking? I'm going to take the Bills. All right. Let's move on to the next one. 49ers at the Bengals. Bengals getting two points. The 49ers side. Jimmy G, I think, is has proven that he deserves to stay on your bench until he can prove that he uh, can do something here. Obviously, did not look that good in the preseason. Did not look good at all against a Tampa Bay team that maybe we are underrating a little bit on defense after what they did uh, against Carolina again last night. We saw Tevin Coleman get hurt yet again, so it looks like it's going to be the Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert uh play this week. Which one are you leaning on more this week, Brita or Mostert? 
Well, my expectation is, is that Breida is going to get dinged up during the game. Andy's going to keep playing. Yeah. Breida just he just he he's he's like a robot out there. Uh, they're going to split time. Uh, that's the Shanahan running back. Is they they're going to split time? I think both of them are flex worthy. Um, Breida probably has low end. He's probably high end uh, running back three upside. And most starts probably low end running back three upside. But I think they're both probably flex worthy. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I grabbed Mostert in a lot of places uh, the past couple days, and, and I'm right there with you. If he's someone that you, you know, say if you have a Darius Geis and you couldn't get Adrian Peterson or Chris Thompson, I, I would feel safe playing Mostert this weekend. And every week he's healthy. Uh, don't, I don't want people to forget how good he was last year when the 49ers were in the same situation before he got that compound fracture in his arm. Him and Breida were splitting the carries, and he was actually looking a lot better than Breida at times. I think Breida gets a little bit more upside in the receiving game than Mostert does, but Mostert is not a bad runner at all, so I agree with you. Both uh, both worthy flex starters, uh, especially this week against the Bengals team. George Kittle... Uh, obviously, Stud going to be a top uh, option right there in the receiving game and going to be a top tight end option. Do you trust starting anybody in this receiving core right now outside of Kittle? Man, I want to trust Debo Samuel. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, I, I think this is an offense that needs to get some reps together. They need to figure out who they are. Uh, they need their offensive line to gel some. You know, they, they've got some talent. You know, Goodwin and Samuel. It's, uh, it, you know, I don't know what happened with Dante Pettis, but, man, talk about landing in the doghouse. Yeah. Oh, and, and I, I can't, I, you know, I don't know if you've heard anything, but I all, all I hear is, well, he's got to earn it. Yeah. Well, what did he do to not earn it? I thought he was the starter. So what did he do to get demoted? So it's, it's kind of it, it's weird as hell. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but until then, you know, I don't think Richie James is the answer. He's he's a returner. I, I think Debo and Kendrick Bourne, and Marquise Goodwin, uh, they're the guys who are going to have to uh, go out there and and uh, make it happen. Yeah, for me, I'm not starting any of them unless I'm extremely desperate. At this point, I'd rather be late to the party on a San Francisco wide receiver than early. On the Bengals side, uh, we've talked about it in the offseason. We needed to see what this offense looked like. Now, I don't think Seattle's defense is quite what it used to be, but the but the Bengals look good, and the Red Rifle looked good. I can't even call him the Red Water Pistol anymore. Andy Dalton looked good against Seattle last week. Had a chance to win the game. Didn't make it happen, but still overall a really good game from him. Definitely a super flex starter, in my opinion. I think moving back up the ranks to a possible fantasy starter in 12, uh, just regular 12-team leagues as well. Mixon, he is questionable at the moment. We have not heard for sure if he's going to be in or out. I think regardless, Giovanni Bernard is a great start for me in this game. I think that he's going to be leaned on heavily. Talked about it a bunch of times. He's a guy I grabbed in a ton of leaks at the end of my drafts. Due to Mixon's injury history, Bernard has shown that when he is given the opportunity, he can be an RB1 when he stays healthy as well. Uh, uh, what do you, you have any thoughts on the Mixon-Bernard situation? Well, I, I 
the only concern I have with Bernard is that he breaks down pretty quickly. And I think that's always been his obstacle. Uh, he, he looks great in the receiving game. He flashes in the running game. And then he's out for two games. So, well, I, I, I think in this situation, if Mixon's out, you, you start Bernard. He's, he's, they're going in with the game plan to give him 75% of the running back touches. But you don't know if he's going to live through it. Yeah. And you know, he, it may, he may make it through this week. Maybe he goes down next week. I don't know. It could be Samaji Pirine season there in uh, Cincinnati. Oh, God. I don't think that'd be good for anybody, fantasy owners or Samaji Pirine or the uh, Cincinnati. Is Travion Williams healthy or is he no, still out? No, he's still injured right now. If, if he was healthy, I would, I would probably be, be directing people more toward him, but he's not, and I'm not a believer in Pirine. So I don't, I'm, I'm hoping Bernard doesn't get hurt, but like I said, he's a guy that I own in a lot of places, and I'm starting him in a lot of leagues this weekend in hopes that he, he does something. Obviously, Tyler Boyd, we know he's good, gave you a, a – I can't remember exactly what his stat line was off the top of my head at the moment, uh, but he, he got a decent game against Seattle, gave you exactly what you were hoping for outside of a touchdown. John Ross was the guy, though. Obviously, two touchdowns, two long touchdowns. We've seen it before from John Ross where he gives you these amazing games then pulls his hamstring the next week and is out the rest of the season. Uh, you did mark on here that he this is his third year, and there's obviously the big stigma around third-year breakout wide receivers. So is this John Ross's breakout year? You know, I, I got to be honest. I've slid him into a couple starting lineups. Uh, All right. I, I'm looking at it, and, you know, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of if not now, when? So he's coming off a hot streak. So w- with Ross, that third-year breakout, I think, could be a real thing. He's fast. He's bigger, I think, than people remember. He's six foot or six one, uh, about 190 pounds. So w- we've seen that uh, Sean McVay offense that Zach Taylor is running make uh, guys like him like Ross, be very productive. So when you look at Ross and Boyd, the opportunity is going to be there. Yeah, and we cannot forget that he was a first-round pick for the Bengals just a couple years ago. So, And when he got picked, I believe it was like oh, 9 overall, nobody freaked out about it, too. It's not like people were going, oh, my God, why did the Bengals just draft John Ross here? Like It was not a, a widely discussed pick as a bad pick, so don't – don't let everybody forget that he's uh, a very talented wide you receiver. You weren't in Ohio. There were a lot of oh, people up here going, what the fuck? <laughs> well, from where I was sitting, there was not a lot of people questioning the pick. So I, I think uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I grabbed him in a couple leagues, and and I'm hoping. I'm hoping that maybe this is it because a couple of those are dynasty leagues as well. So I'd love to have him as my, my third or fourth option at wide receiver. I am taking the Bengals in this game. Who do you got? Oh, uh, all right, so the next game on the docket is the Los Angeles Chargers and the Detroit Lions. The Chargers getting two and a half points on the Chargers side. Where would you rank Phillip Rivers this week? Not a, not a horrible week last week against the Colts, but uh, going up against your Detroit Lions. You think he's got a ch- chance to finish in the top 15? Oh, I, yeah. You know, the Lions, I, I don't know, but... I love the Lions, man, but I don't know if Matt Patricia's getting it figured out. 
sometimes they look really good, and then sometimes he, you know, gives a star running back seven carries in a game. Uh, it, it's it, it's something I'm, you know, Taylor Decker all of a sudden doesn't know how to block a defensive end, and you know that leads to Matt Stafford getting killed. So. I, I like the Lions. I don't think they're going to win this game. Uh, to, to preview my pick, um, I, I think that the uh, Chargers' defense is, is too good. Uh, but I, I do think the opportunity is there for you know a, a 31-21 game that could you know lead to good fantasy production on both sides. All right, well, for Phillip Rivers to have a good game, we're likely going to need Austin Eckler to do close to what he did last week, finish his RB2 on the week. Don't think he finishes that high yet again, but do you think he has a chance to finish as a top 12 performer this week? Well, I mean, everybody has a chance. What would you give so, his chance to be? Uh, I, I think he's I, – I, I'm going to – I don't expect a top two performance. Uh, I think he's going to probably come back to earth a bit. I definitely think he's top fifteen running back this this week. Uh, you know, he he's a a great, great pass catching back, and he's an effective runner. And he's he's not he's not tiny. He's he's got okay size, uh, but he's definitely not somebody you want to pound into the line twenty times. You want to get him out in some space. Uh, you know. Him and Jackson are very similar in size. I just think Jackson is a little better inside runner, whereas Eckler is better when you get him uh, out in space. So that leads to Eckler. You know, even if they if they split touches evenly, Eckler will get the majority of the passing reps. So Eckler has the opportunity to put up more fantasy points um, just from volume. So I, I like Eckler. If, if I have Eckler, I'm starting Eckler. You know, he he's kind of taken over. He's taken over seventy percent of the Melvin Gordon role. Yeah, yeah. I've got him in top fifteen play as well. Uh, obviously, when you score three touchdowns in a week, that does skew your numbers just a little bit. Uh, but did get twelve carries and and six catches in that game, ninety six yards in the receiving game. So I agree with you. I still still think Justin Jackson is going to get a fair amount of run. But Austin Eckler, with what he does in the receiving game, is what's going to boost his fantasy value. Top 15 for me, maybe a little bit higher, but I don't see him finishing his number two again this week. The big question for the Chargers is going to be that receiving game. Obviously, we saw Hunter Henry go down with injuries. Looks like Mike Williams is in or out every single... It seems like that changes every couple of hours. Even if he does play, I would imagine he's not going to be... Uh, that that high upside wide receiver two that you want him to be with dealing with that knee injury. So it looks like they're really relying on Keenan Allen and and possibly Travis Benjamin. I do think Benjamin, if he is out there, could have a decent game opposite of Keenan Allen. Obviously, being locked up with Darius Slay there. Uh, do you? I, mean, I would think with where you drafted Keenan Allen, he likely has to go into your lineup. But are you expecting much out of these wide receivers uh, against the, the Lions? Uh, my goodness, I can't speak. Uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Allen has shown that he doesn't have to be open to catch the ball. So he's a, he's a really good route runner, and he can, he'll, he'll take the ball from the defensive back. That being said, I would probably expect his catch rate to be a little lower 
because Darius Slay is a very good cornerback. But Phillip Rivers isn't afraid to throw it into coverage. Uh, their tight end position, you know, is going to be a mess and isn't going to provide a lot of support. This could be another one of those games where they have Jackson uh, and Eckler on the field at the same time. Jackson in the backfield and Eckler in the slot with Travis Benjamin out wide on one side and Keenan Allen out wide on the other. So th that could present a dynamic that allows uh, Allen and Benjamin to have some space to work with. I, I think Benjamin is the sneaky play here. Yeah. Uh, he he's the, he's their, their big play guy. Uh, maybe they promote Artavis. Was it Artavis Scott they had? that they, they let go and maybe signed to their practice squad that was having a real good training camp. Yes, I believe so. Um, so, you know, that's definitely a, an opportunity there maybe. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Benjamin get at least one long completion. You know, that That's a big part of the role he plays on that team is that deep threat. And so I could see him having one of those Ted Ginn kind of games, you know, Three catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. For the Lions side, Matt Stafford actually looked uh, really good in this one. They were pretty pass-heavy in this one with the with the lack of carry on Johnson use, which we'll get to. But Stafford, 27-45, 385 yards and three touchdowns last week. Uh, again, 29.6 points. Looked good, and, and I imagine they're going to have to throw a lot in this game as well. The big question is going to be carry on Johnson. So just, I mean, I shouldn't say not used a lot. He got 16 carries, just didn't do much against an Arizona Cardinals defense that is considered not to have a very good defense. Going up against a much better defense than the Los Angeles Chargers, are you expecting a bounce-back game for carry on Johnson? Uh, if for no other reason, then, you yeah. know, that he's a good he's a good running back and sometimes good backs play good against good teams you know if you uh that was deep analysis there yeah <laughs> uh, now i it depends on what you mean you know do i expect him to rush for 110 yards and a touchdown it's within the uh, range of outcomes certainly right. but i would probably expect more of uh you know, 75-yard kind of game. Um, you know, maybe he catches a couple passes. You know, that's an area where I think he's been underutilized so far this season. Um, you know, Kenny G is going to have to go up and uh, show that he's the alpha dog. You know, Marvin Jones is a uh, real good deep threat. If you look at this team a little bit, it's, it's you know, it's starting to look a little Patriot-like. You got the big wide receiver on the outside. You got the Amendola slash Edelman there on the inside. The deep threat uh, Marvin Jones slash Philip Dorsett on on the other side. The Hawkinson slash Gronkowski at the tight end. Uh, by no means do I mean to say Stafford is like uh, Tom Brady. It's okay, you but, can say that. But you know they they've uh, they've sort of put together this team now uh, that they can use very similarly. So, you know, if Galladay makes some plays uh, and jo or Jones makes some plays downfield, you know, that's going to back up that defense and give some space for uh, on Johnson to operate. Uh, and he's kind of silky when he gets in the line there. Uh, he's, he's a lot stronger, I think, than, than uh, 
people realized. I think they're they're catching on now that he's a pretty tough dude. So I think Stafford, I, I think he's on his way back. Uh, he's headed towards a bounce back from last year, but the jury is still out. Uh, that offensive line has to keep him upright. Yeah, I think the biggest thorn in, in carry on side is going to be continue to be motherfucking CJ Anderson, man. He just he just likes to bone everybody that he goes to, every team. Eleven carries last week uh, against the Cardinals. I do think that's gonna hurt carry on's value moving forward if they're gonna use him that much, especially as someone who owns carry on in a couple leagues as well, I'm really hoping he has a bounce back game. Again, not a bad game, but um against a much better Chargers front and linebacker core than what he faced in Arizona. It could be rough rough sledding ahead for him. On the wide receiver side, Kenny Galladay is an obvious start. I think he's proven that he needs to be in your lineup every week no matter what. Marvin Jones did not have a, uh, a great game here, just eight points against um, – uh, my goodness, Arizona last week. I don't know why I forgot that. But Danny Amendola came through big. Uh, we've talked about him before. Obviously a guy that uh, gets hurt often. Uh, outside of Kenny G, are you trusting putting Amendola or Jones in your lineup this week against the Chargers? Well, they're definitely in consideration for deeper flex spots. Um I, I don't like the inconsistency that Amendola brings. Never been a fan, in part based on his uh, propensity to get hurt. So if, if I'm going to start one of them, I'm probably going to start Marvin Jones. Uh, but again, it'd be in the wide receiver four to five range for me. All right, not, not much of a question here, but TJ Hawkinson, I feel like after one game, has already bucked the myth that uh, tight ends cannot be successful in Detroit. Uh, I think a, a guy who was a huge waiver wire pickup this week, uh, would you start him if you had him in your league? Because I do think he has the opportunity to be a top 10, if not higher right now, tight end moving forward the rest of the season. Your thoughts on, on Hawkinson? Well, with young tight ends, you have to be concerned with consistency. But it's easy to be consistent when you're on the field, and Hawkinson is always on the field. He's the starter. He start. He plays when they're running. He plays when they're passing. So he's out there. Uh, that makes it easy to get targets. So, but I, I don't know. You know, do, I don't expect another. Six for 131 and a touchdown this year, I, I, or this week. I think that's unrealistic. It could happen. You know, he, he could go eight for 150 and two. You know, maybe he is the, the next coming of Gronkowski. But I think history tells us that you have to beware. You, you don't want to chase last week's points. Yeah. Um, if you've got Hawkinson, you know, if your if your other option is C.J. Uzoma that you know you're probably going to get eight or nine points out of, and you want to play the upside, start Hawkinson. Uh, but also remember, you could get a, a a two for thirteen out of Hawkinson. Yeah. All right. So who are you picking? I'm taking the Chargers. I assume with the way you were talking earlier, you were leaning that way as well. Yeah, it pains me too, but I'm taking the Chargers. All right, so now on to one of the games I think could be one of the better games of the weekend, and that's the Vikings versus the Packers. The Packers getting two 
I'm assuming just because they are the home team. For the Vikings side of things, Kirk Cousins threw the ball only 10 times last week, so I'm going to group him in with Diggs and Thielen. If they're going to continue to be this run heavy, are you worried about Cousins? And does this, in a way, make Diggs and Thielen, in a way, touchdown dependent to get a lot of their fantasy value? Well, if they're going to throw the ball 10 times, of course it makes them touchdown dependent. I don't believe they're going to continually throw the ball 10 times. Uh, I think they their preference is definitely to uh, not throw the ball 50 times with Kirk Cousins, but they they need to have a balanced offense and running or throwing 10 passes isn't a balanced offense. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily worried about Cousins as someone who owns him in a couple leagues. I think that was just kind of the game plan. They had last week, they got up on the Falcons fairly quickly, uh, and then I think we're really just kind of able to run and ride Dalvin Cook in that one. I think Diggs and Thielen and Cousins all have a pretty good bounce-back game here against the Packers team, which did look very good on Thursday night opening week. I think that defense has been kind of reshaped and reformed. I expect this to be a much tighter game, and they're going to have to rely on those guys a little bit more. We saw Dalvin Cook, in my opinion, looked elite against that Atlanta Falcons team last week do you think he has a shot and i know i know everybody has a shot but i I would say he's not someone who we've talked about in that elite category up there with those top five running backs in in barkley zeke cmc dj and Gurley. do you think he has a shot to get right up there close to that maybe outbeat mixon who is that guy who is just on the outside of that group do you think cook if he continues to play like that and stays healthy has a chance to jump up into a possible top six pick as of next year's fantasy drafts. Well, we we do talk about Cook from an elite talent standpoint, but it always comes down, we always push him back down a tier or two because of the health concerns. Mm-hmm. You know, he's shown that, you know, with the ball in his hands, he, he can get, he gets after it. And for me, I, I look at it from the standpoint of at some point, I have to put aside the, well, if he stays healthy, and I have to put him in my lineup with confidence and, and, and let him go. Uh, I think we're at that point now. We're two years removed from the ACL. You know, last year he had struggled with the hamstring, which is common when coming back from the ACL. So now he's healthy. They've, they invested a ton of money in their offensive line. They've got a. They've got two exceptional wide receivers, a couple good tight ends. Uh, Cousins doesn't have to be a world beater quarterback. He can be who he is, which is a distributor, a game manager. Because when you got Dalvin Cook going sixty yards for a touchdown, or Stephon Diggs going sixty yards for a touchdown, um, you don't need to try to put the team on your shoulders. That's not Cook's strong or Cousins' strong suit. So, do I think Dalvin Cook can be a top five back? Uh, I think he can. I think, you know, again, here I go. If he stays healthy all season with this improved offensive line, uh, I could see him racking up fifteen hundred yards on the ground, eight touchdowns, catching fifty passes. You know, that's going to put him way up there near the top. 
Yeah, I think his versatility in the receiving game is going to really help boost him up uh, in those running back categories and and get those numbers, especially if he stays healthy. Uh, And one thing I do want to add is I know everybody's been saying this, so chances are you won't be able to get him. But if you're the Dalvin Cook owner, please make sure you have Alexander Madison because he looked phenomenal as well in that game. And if Cook goes down, Madison was is likely going to be able to step right in and do exactly what Cook was doing, maybe minus a little bit of the receiving work, but definitely as a rusher. On the Packers' side of things, they're rushers. Aaron Jones had 38 snaps to Jamal Williams, 26 snaps. So not a not a huge difference, but, but a decent enough amount to make you think that Aaron Jones is a starter, yet he struggled against this Bears defense. Do you think it was just the Bears defense being as good as they are, or maybe Aaron Jones just not being as good as we all hoped he would be? Uh, I think it's the Bears defense. Okay. Um, I, I like Jones's talent. I do think that, uh, you know, he needs 13 carries, in my opinion, isn't enough. I think you need to give him the ball earlier. You need to give him the ball more often and, and let him run the ball. Uh, yes, he's going to get, he's, he's going to have some zero and minus twos, but he's going to have some nines and some 15s and some 40s. Give him the ball and let him play. Uh, I don't know why. What the hesitation is? Uh, you know, he he's starting to get grouped in with Kenyon Drake, where you know so many people are like, well, he's so much more talented than everybody, and the coach doesn't give him the ball. And and so, well, honestly, at some point, we got to admit maybe we're wrong because they're the ones with the head coaching jobs. But. When Jones gets the ball, Jones looks pretty good. You just got to give him the ball. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to be rushing the ball three times. Jamal Williams, okay, he's a great pass blocker. But Jones is a pretty good pass blocker too. So, it's, you know, it, I'm chalking it up to the Bears' defense. Fair enough. Outside of Devontae Adams, are you willing to start any of the other receivers, or are you going to throw Jimmy Graham in that mix uh, this week against the Vikings? Oh, I'm very comfortable starting Marquez Valdez-Scandling. Uh, I think he's established himself as the number two there. Um, I think that uh, Green Bay, they're not. the Vikings have a pretty good defense. The Bears have the best defense. And so uh, I think that Green Bay is going to be just fine when it comes to the passing game. Uh, there, uh, I, I did hear. I think it was uh, it was either Howard Bender and Jim Bowden, or it was Bob Harris and Mike Dempsey this afternoon. I was listening to Sirius, and somebody called in with a start sit question, and uh, it was Sammy Watkins and Devontae Adams. Uh, and and two other people, and they said sit Adams. Wow. And and now, granted, it was the other two people were the other two receivers were were of the same ilk, but it was you know they, they I guess they they don't like the matchup you know Xavier Rhodes I guess he's there's some uh, some thought that he has Devonte Adams number. I don't know I. I, I, I can't see myself benching Devontae Adams any more than I can see myself benching New Hopkins. 
Yeah, yeah, that's just never going to happen for me. All right, who are you taking, uh, the Vikings or the Packers? I'm going to take the Packers. As am I. Okay, interesting. I thought you might go Vikings there. All right. Next up, we've got the Colts and the Titans. Titans getting three points in this one on the Colts side. Jacoby Brissett, talk about it. Only three points? Only three points. Only three <laughs> points. I know. I know. It's crazy as, as, mu- as much as they blew out the uh, future Super Bowl champion Cleveland Browns this past week. They are only getting three points. Uh, Jacoby Brissett looked good against the Chargers last week. I, I liked what I saw out of him again. Uh, I've been saying it all, all offseason. I don't think he was going to be nearly as bad as everybody was making him out to be. And with the way that he played, he pr- improved, I think, T.Y. Hilton stock a little bit. A lot of people were down on T.Y. Hilton. In fact, a lot of people were getting T.Y. Hilton in the fifth and sixth round in some drafts because they thought he was not going to be a top wide receiver without Andrew Luck. Did T.Y. Hilton, with his performance in week one with Jacoby Brissett, make him a must-start every week for you? I, I think that uh, T.Y. Hilton was pretty much a must-start anyways. You know, he, he's, a, he's a top 24 wide receiver. At worst, a top 30, which means you're going to start him in your flex. Uh, yeah, he, he's. I didn't buy, much like you, I didn't buy the Jacoby Brissett of 2019 is going to be the same as Jacoby Brissett of 2017. Uh, I, I just didn't buy it. Is he going to be Andrew Luck? No, he's not going to be Andrew Luck. But he's going to be Jacoby Brissett, who's a professional quarterback who has been in the league now for a number of years and has shown uh, that he can run that offense. It's the second year in that offense. They've got some weapons. They've got Ebron and Mack and uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Naheem Hines, Deion Kane. So even with some of the losses that they've suffered, they still have an offensive line that is so much better than 2017 Uh, and playmakers. They they just have so many more playmakers. Uh, I I love Jacoby Brissett this year. Uh, You know, I don't know if he's top 12, but he's, you know, top 15 ish, top 16 ish with top, you know, I could see him maybe finishing up as high as eight. So somewhere between eight and 16, I probably, that's where I'm comfortable with Brissett. All right. Um, let's see here. Naheem Hines, your guy Marlon Mack, balled out last week. Now, we have seen this before of him, and, and much as I mentioned in the Monday episode with Matt, let's not all overreact to one game, but Marlon Mack did look extremely good against the Chargers. I will give him that. With the way he looked, does that make Naheem Hines droppable in redraft leagues? I think it depends on who you're dropping him for. I mean, Hines still caught four passes. He didn't do anything with them, but he caught four passes, and he showed last year that he's a, a pretty good pass-catching back. So if you if you can get four or five catches out of Hines, and what did he have, four carries as well. So if Hines is getting eight to ten touches, mm-hmm. you know, that, that may still be worth keeping on your bench as a bi-week flex guy. I I agree with you, actually. I I love Naheem Hans. I think he's a stud. I think Marlon Mack, um, the the biggest thing for me with Mack is you know he has an injury history, and if he gets hurt at any time, I do think Naheem Hans will be a guy 
uh, that can that not necessarily plug in and be a stud, but will then get a lot more run uh, than he possibly did in week one. Again, it is only week one, so I'm not going to overreact. I'm keeping Hans on my beach as well. My beach, my goodness, on my bench as well. Now, for the Titans, Marcus Mariota just destroyed the Cleveland Browns. Uh, is this an upswing for him? I mean, we've seen that Marcus Mariota can play very well when he's healthy. Are you buying into Marcus Mariota? and the new way that they're running this offense, or do you need to see more of it? I mean, he only completed 14 passes. So, I don't know. You know, the Tennessee defense put him in a bunch of short field situations. Baker took some risks, you know, turned the ball over, pick six. It was, it, it was you know, the Browns, what they commit? 192 penalties? Uh, it was actually 200. You were just short. <laughs> so the Browns played terribly sloppy. Uh, that doesn't take anything away from uh, what Tennessee did, you know, but giving up that 75 yard screen pass to Derrick Henry, that was farcical. The, the Browns were just a hot mess. So hopefully they've spent the week uh, getting their shit together. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry did what Derrick Henry does, but Mariota, I, I don't think Mariota showed uh, anything more than uh, than he's shown us before. Uh, 14 to 24 for 248 yards. You know, 13 to 23 for 175 without uh, that screen pass to Derrick Henry. And I get it, the screen pass counts, so, you can, you know, you can't subtract it. But it, it didn't feel like that's something that you can count on. Um, so, I, I, you know, if I have Mariota, I'm getting Tannehill because I don't think he's going to make it through the season. Yeah, I think you've got to wait. Give me two more games of that, and then maybe I'll start believing in Marcus Mariota because I do think uh, – with a guy that can use his legs the way that he can, he has a lot of fantasy upside, but I need to see it at a, from a couple more games from him before I'd be willing to throw him in a lineup. We saw A.J. Brown have a really good game against the Browns, including a couple big plays against Denzel Ward, who is considered to be a top cornerback. Are you willing to throw Brown in your lineup again this week? Uh, I feel like you're chasing points. Um I'm not opposed to it again, but it's it's a flex spot, you know. Second flex, probably, maybe maybe even third flex. So you're going to be getting into a deep roster. Uh, I need to see more now. Brown, now I will say Brown was my number one wide receiver coming into the year. I just don't think he's in a great situation with uh, Marcus Mariota to provide any kind of consistency. You know, he did he did have 100 yards but he only had three catches so he made a couple big plays but we need to see I, I need to see consistency so I'm not likely putting putting him in my lineup yeah, I'm right there with you. Much like Marcus Mariota, I need to see it for a couple more weeks before I'd be willing to throw him in. Uh, just want to add that Delaney Walker is back. He is still the stud we all remember him to be just a couple years ago. Missed out on him last year, obviously, due to the, the really bad ankle injury that he suffered. I believe it was a dislocated or broken ankle in the first game last year. Came out and balled out against the Browns. Who are you taking in this one, the Colts or the Titans? I'm taking the Colts. I am taking the Colts as well. 
Patriots and the Dolphins. Uh, let's start with the Dolphins because, um, well, yeah, as I put in the notes, good luck because I don't think they have anyone worth playing except for maybe Kenyon Drake being a shot in the dark. Any chances you're throwing Drake in your lineup or are you just avoiding the Dolphins altogether like I am? Excuse me. Uh, I am starting Drake. Okay. Uh, but I've got a lineup that is – Literally, it's Mike Davis, Rashad Penny, and Kenyon Drake. Uh, so I'm clearly in a deep, deep rebuild. And it's a start three running backs, and those are those are my top three running backs. So he's going to be in my lineup. Uh, I think if I'm going to throw a hail mary for the Dolphins in this game, though, I'm throwing that uh, I'm throwing it at Preston Williams. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, junk time. Junk time is points time and I think uh, they're going to be down and I think they're going to have to throw the ball so you you could almost uh, in your flex spot you know plug in Wilson or Parker or Williams and and you know get 10 points out of it just because they're going to have to throw it uh, I don't know I don't think I'd play Fitzpatrick because uh, him and Rosen are probably going to have to rotate uh, during bouts of consciousness because I think this team is going to get the snot knocked out of them. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. For the Patriots on the running back side, we saw uh, James White and Rex Burkhead get a bulk of the work last week. I actually think this could be a Sony Michelle game. If you had to start one of those three, who are you starting? Well, I'm going to start Sony um, because he should get a lot. He, he he should get 20 carries in this game. They should be up comfortably early, and they should be grinding out the clock. But in that scenario, and you've got your running back that's got a history of knee problems, and you're up 28 points going into the second half, you know, maybe Burkhead gets 15 carries in the second half. You know, I, I could see a scenario where, where that plays out, where you know, Burkhead ends up getting 18 or 20 touches. And then lastly, uh, the wide receivers. So we know that, obviously, unless something else changes in the next couple of days with possibly A.B. going to the commissioner's exempt list, he will be playing. So that leaves you Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, and A.B., though it has been reported as well that A.B. has not done a very good job of picking up the playbook. Maybe that's because he's spending too much time Instagramming live from TB12 uh uh, place or whatever it is, his little workout studio. Wh- who are you trusting to start this week? All three of them? Just Edelman? Just Gordon? Wh- what are your thoughts on these wide receivers? Uh, in order, uh, Edelman, Gordon, and then Antonio Brown. Yeah. But I, I can clearly see a scenario uh, where Antonio Brown has a Ted Ginn game. You know, three for 90 and a touchdown. You know, he played, maybe he plays. 25 or 30 percent of the snaps it's against but I, I guess I can also see a game where where Brown plays the whole game to learn the offense so maybe Brady plays three quarters and Brown plays they keep Brown out there because they need him to get the reps and it's essentially a coaching situation Brady's out there with him they're running plays for him they're Showing him, you know, they're able to talk about things because it's live. And then he comes in, and then he's got the Jarrett Stidham for the fourth quarter. You know, that's probably 
very disrespectful to the Dolphins, and I don't mean any disrespect, but I get you're, you're rebuilding. You're in a deep rebuild, just like my team, that's starting Drake and Penny and Mike Davis, and it's okay. We're going to keep working hard. It's okay. Yeah. So I assume there's no shot you're picking the Dolphins to win this game. There, there's there's a little shot, but no, I'm picking the, the Patriots. As... The Dolphins play the Patriots tough in Miami. Yeah, very true. And, you know, honestly, the Dolphins coach has been spent the last 17 years or 18 years as a Patriots assistant. So he knows what's going on there. I but agree, Bill, but Ch- I, Bill I Belichick also, you know, he's very adaptable to the situation at hand. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as much as I, I think Brian Flores is going to be good for Miami, no shot that they win this game on Sunday. All right, next up we've got the Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Russell Wilson struggled a little bit last week against the Bengals, though we've seen that out of him. Uh, seems to struggle at the first start of, uh, of the seasons, not worried about him. The only real question I have on the Seahawks side is Lockett and Metcalf. Are you willing to start either, neither, or both in your lineups this week? You know, it's a tough call. Um, I started Metcalf last week in a league. Uh, I don't have any shares of Lockett, and I was really disappointed with uh, the outcome for him. Um, but I, I do think that the Steelers are good enough that the, the Seahawks are going to have to keep up, and so I would be willing to start Lockett and Metcalf. As would I. I think it was a great game from Metcalf, a guy who was getting a, a lot of Bad things said about him in the offseason, only being able to run like one route. I think he did a very good job. I'd like to see him continue to improve. I would start both. As he well. ran the hell out of that one route last week. Hey, that he did. Uh, for the Steelers side, obviously we saw them struggle mightily against the Patriots. Um, do you plan, or do you think that Big Ben has a bounce back game here against Seattle? You know, I don't think Seattle's defense is what it was. Um, they're going to be at home. Uh, the home road split for Ben is real, and I, I do think that they're going to bounce back. I think Ben is going to have a better game. Uh, he's going to have to spread the ball around more. Uh, yeah. You know, Juju's got the toe issue, but everything's supposed to be okay. Uh, they need James Washington to step up. All right, so that leads right into that. Do you think James Washington or Moncrief is going to be the two this week? or, or outperform- Which one do you think has the better game? I think they're going to rotate, and I think it's going to be Washington. Fair enough. And James Conner struggled, obviously, as well with the Patriots. Do you think that was just the Steelers as a whole a struggler? Do you think this might be what Conner really is? Uh, I, I don't think that's what he is. I, I, I think that I'm going to attribute some of those struggles to the Patriots. Conner, Conner is a, a good back. He's not a great back. He's a good back. He's going to be fine. Who are you picking, Seattle or Pittsburgh? I'm going to go with Seattle. I'm going to take Pittsburgh, so that is very interesting. All right, next up, Cowboys-Redskins, another game that I think could be very close, a lot closer than people are giving them credit for. Uh, Let's see here. On the Cowboys side, Dak dominated. Do you think him and the best wide receiver trio in all of the NFL land can do it again against the Redskins? I certainly think they're capable. Uh, they, you know, Dallas has an exceptional offensive line. They're very balanced with Zeke and, uh, you know, Amari Cooper, Michael, I love Michael Gallup this year, last off season and the end of last season, when I was making trades, Michael Gallup was a guy I was targeting and I picked up a, a bunch of shares of him last year. 
Uh, I'm extremely happy. I, I think Cobb played better than I expected. Yeah. Uh, I think he fit in there very well, and and they make they do make a great trio. Yeah, I agree with you on the Cobb point. I think Cobb is a uh, Cobb could be the reason. It's crazy for me to say this. I think Cobb could be the whole reason that that offense works as well as it does. If he can provide in the slot, is really going to help out Amari and Gallup. And I'm with you on Gallup. I think he is actually one of the main reasons why I think Amari Cooper still does not have quite the season everybody is hoping because he is going to break out, which will be a good bad thing for you because you know you've got all your shares of Gallup, but you are very heavily invested in Amari Cooper. And show bets against me well i think i think cooper's going to have a great year i think gallup is going to be the reason that cooper doesn't get his contract from the cowboys i would not disagree with you on that i think with what we saw out of zeke in week one they will continue to feed him this week i think zeke's back and easily a guy that you can plug in if you're worried about it last week and maybe started pollard or left him on your bench to see what he did no worries anymore he is good to go on the Redskins side, uh, we mentioned you mentioned this earlier. I said I thought Case Keenum looked good. It, it was interesting to me. Had Matt on. He obviously played for the Broncos last year. We talked about it on Monday. I feel like, obviously, when he was in Minnesota with John Filippo, actually had a good year. Uh, and now he comes here with Jay Gruden, who is considered to be a very good offensive coach. Could it maybe be just that Case Keenum needs an a offensive mind here? I think that he looked good. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I don't. I'm not suggesting to start Case Keenum in like a regular 12 or even 14 team league superflex. I think he's worth a start. Um, but with Case Keenum looking as good as he did, do you think that Scary Terry McLaurin is the real deal in Washington? I think McLaurin was the real deal before, and I think he showed it by. Uh, playing, what did he play, 89% of the snaps or something? He was 91, actually, I believe. He was the, he so, all the rookies. Washington believes in him. They're like, look, dude, you know, he may. there's going to be games where he doesn't lead them in targets and he doesn't lead them in catches, but he's he's shown them, uh, I, I'm on the verge of being the number one. They may bring in somebody that's, you know, that true Julio Jones type of alpha, uh, but until they do, Terry McLaurin is, you know, he's kind of shaping up to be that that 1B type of receiver. Uh, we'll see how his rookie year progresses. But, yeah, I love what McLaurin is doing. Yeah, I know uh, both of us have talked about it all offseason. Not just because we are Buckeyes fans, but after everything we saw from the Combine and the Senior Bowl, that we both said that uh, talent wins out. doesn't matter what they paid Paul Richardson. doesn't matter how much money he's getting. Terry McLaurin is a better player. He's going to be the guy there. I am with you. Uh, I, I If you can get him in any of your redraft leagues or anything, I would get him now. As I think he's going to possibly be the best rookie wide receiver this year. With guys being out likely at least for eight weeks, uh, or he can't come back until week eight, I believe, uh, chances are he might not be back the rest of the season. Are you trusting more in Adrian Peterson or Chris Thompson? Uh, I'm, I don't trust either of them. Okay. You know, I, I think this week I expect AP to push for 20 carries. Um, I, I think that they're, it's going to be close long enough for him to get some carries. I think Thompson's going to you know, get some passing game work because AP just, he's not a good pass catcher. Uh, and so they're, they're going to split time when they're passing. It's Thompson, when they're running, it's Peterson. And, uh, they're both going to get, they're, they're both probably low end flex worthy players. 
All right, who are you taking, Cowboys or Redskins? Cowboys. As am I. Let's move on to the Cardinals and the Ravens. Kyler Murray looked horrible in the first half, looked amazing in the second half. With that, do you think he can help Christian Kirk have a fantasy-relevant day this week against a very tough Ravens defense? Well, I think he looked good in the second half of the second half. I mean, Murray didn't look great for three quarters. Maybe he's putting it together. I don't know. I, I've never been – I'm not sold on Murray. I'm, I'm not – he's not my guy. I'm a Haskins guy. Uh, but, you know, he did bring him back. I don't know if that's uh, a testament about Murray or if it's a testament about Matt Patricia and how he runs that defense in Detroit. Uh, I think Detroit, uh, I think they kind of blew that one, in my opinion. Um, I like DJ. I, I think Murray, those that like Murray, let him have Murray. You, you're, you know, you believe you play him. Uh, DJ, I think is, you know, he's, I think he is in the, back in the elite running back discussion. I don't think he's in the, he's not part of the top, top four, but I can see, you know, he's five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. I think we we saw from him last week enough that we need to see, as long as he's healthy, he is right outside those top four. On the Ravens side, Lamar Jackson, uh, we're going to get a little bit deeper into this one because everybody's crowning him the new Patrick Mahomes. If you really go and watch that game and look at some of the throws he made, he had all day in the pocket, went, ate lunch, took a shit, came back, and then threw the ball to Marquise Brown twice. When you have Marquise Brown, one of the fastest wide receivers in the league, I don't care who you have on him. You put Patrick Peterson on him. Eventually, he is not going to be able to cover Marquise Brown for that long. I did like some of the throws that Lamar Jackson made, but let's calm down a little bit on the Lamar Jackson being QB1 going forward hype. He played a a high school defense last week. He is not going to play a much better defense this week, so people will probably continue to overrate and overhype Lamar Jackson, but I do not think that he is quite what we saw out of him last week. Do you agree or disagree with that, uh, Dennis? Yeah, I I, I appreciate what uh, Lamar did last week, um, but I'm not, uh, I, I won't say that I'm sold. I, I need to see a little more. I'm right there with you. Uh, looks like we saw the return of Mark Ingram last week. Looked really good. Uh, an offense that looks like they're going to be very run heavy. I think Mark Ingram is a solid in your starter or, uh, in your lineup every single week kind of guy. With what we were just talking about with Lamar, do you believe in starting Marquise Brown this week, or is it something as you've been pointing out for a couple of these other guys? Do you think he's it's chasing the points again this week as well? Well, I I think Marquise Brown is. Definitely chasing points. I mean, he only played what thirty percent of the snaps yeah. or something. Yes, it, it was it was super low. I, I I'm not I'm not sold on it yet. I I like my I I think that that Ravens team could end up being pretty good. Um, I, I'm not as high on Lamar, and I wasn't as high on Marquise Brown, but I think together they could be they they could work well together. And when then you've got you know Mark Ingram just chewing up yardage on the ground and Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards led the team in carries. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. And then you know my my guy Mark Andrews. So they have some balance uh, and they've got a decent offensive line. So I I, I think starting Marquise Brown is chasing points. Uh, that doesn't mean they won't the points won't be there, but I. Uh, he's not starting for me unless I'm super desperate. 
Yeah, and you just mentioned Mark Andrews played the least amount of snaps as all three of the tight ends, but we saw out of him everything we needed to do as an elite tight end, a guy that me and you have both been talking about as a, a tight end sleeper this year, worth starting. I don't care how many snaps he gets because of how talented he is. Who are you taking in this one, the Cardinals or the Ravens? I'm going to take the Ravens. As am I. All right, on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans for the Jaguars. We saw, unfortunately, Nick Foles go down. But the GOAT, Gardner Minshew second, and there is no Gardner Minshew first, stepped up and actually proved to be a fairly good quarterback, though a lot of his uh, better stats coming in the second half when it was a lot of garbage time, per, uh, garbage time production. But I do believe in Minshew. I think we need to see a little bit more out of him before we anoint him the next best uh, or the next Tom Brady since he was drafted in the sixth round. But I did uh, like what we saw out of him. Leonard Fournette struggled a little bit in this one. you have any hopes that Leonard Fournette can uh, provide RB2 numbers for you this week against the Texans? Well, you know, Leonard Fournette averaged 5.1 yards a carry. So, I mean, is that is that how what we're classifying struggling as? I mean, they only gave him the ball 13 times, and uh, so I'm going to say that's probably due to game script. Uh, he caught four passes. So, I, I mean, what's a guy got to do? Better than that. I don't know. I really don't. I was just, you know, I'm not someone who's been big on uh... – Big on Fournette, maybe it's just the lack of touchdowns. I don't know. But I I feel like I need to see more out of him before before I'm willing to. I mean, you're going to start him anyways because of where you drafted him, uh, but I'm not sold on him. A guy that you've been sold on all offseason is D.D. Westbrook. I think he's an easy play in your lineup. But what about the Chark attack? He had an amazing game last week, a career game. Uh, Are you willing to uh, start him in your lineups this week? Yeah, I'm probably more willing to start him, I think, than D.D. Westbrook. Okay, really? So, okay. Not, not, that's, that's kind of tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, Chark, you know, they're, they're playing different roles. You know, Westbrook is the short guy. He's playing out of the slot. He's running the short routes. Chark is running the fly routes. He's getting downfield. Uh, and it showed uh, in the results. You know, they both caught four passes. Or no, actually Westbrook caught five, but you know Westbrook had a six point oh yards per catch, and Chark had a thirty six point five yards per catch. And each of them had a touchdown. So, uh, you know, it's it's a tough situation uh, when you want a guy to do well, and he looks like he's he he's right on the verge of it, but then this other guy that you weren't quite expecting is over, over here off to the side just blowing up. And that's kind of what happened. So I, 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 don't, I wouldn't hate starting Chark. You know, Chris Conley probably had the best all-around game mm-hmm. between the two of them, six for 97 and a touchdown. So it, and that's a situation that's going to need to shake out a little bit. Yeah, I think if you're desperate, start Chark, but give it one or two more weeks, and if he continues to prove something close to that, I'd be more than willing to play him every single week. On the Texans side, we know Deshaun Watson, easy start. DeAndre Hopkins, easy start. The biggest question is going to come in that backfield between Hyde and Johnson. Which one would you start if you had to choose? If you had both of them on your roster, which one are you starting? I'm probably going to start Duke over Hyde uh, just because – Duke, you know, they're going to be pretty close to even on the carries, maybe 60, 
55 or 60 percent high down the carries. Uh, but Duke will be out there uh, in the passing game. You know, Duke had four catches last week to go with nine carries. Uh, Carlos Hyde had 10 carries uh, and one catch. So uh, it's a, I think it's a pretty even split. You know, the, either one of them could be a serviceable bye week guy right now. I think you have to wait and see what happens uh, going forward. Historically, Watson doesn't throw the ball to the running back a lot, and I think that sort of puts a little crimp in Duke's upside. Yeah, I agree with you on that part, but I'm still starting Duke as well, although Hyde did look good running the ball last week against, uh, my goodness, against the Saints. Uh, Who are you picking, the Jaguars or the Texans? Texans. I'm taking the Texans as well. Chiefs Raiders, we know Patrick Mahomes. He is worthy of starting. McCoy and um, Damian Williams, who are, you, who are you going between those two? Can I pass? Yeah, absolutely. You can pass. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not a Williams fan, but I think he's, he's the one between the two. It, you... you McCoy is going to be okay, but I think Williams presents more upside than McCoy does, um, though I don't think he presents a, 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 as much upside as a lot of people believe. Yeah, I think if I had to choose one or the other, I'm going Williams just because of what we saw out of the receiving game, but McCoy did not look bad at all in that game. He, he looked like a very good runner. Uh, if you've got McCoy, I would I would feel safe starting him if you needed him as a flex starter. Uh, do you believe in what we saw out of Sammy Watkins? Obviously, he had a career game. We've seen it from him before. Tyreek Hill out, so a lot of people believing Sammy Watkins will step up and, and be that wide receiver one. Are, are you believing in Watkins, and do you think McCole Hardman has any chance of producing at, at a fantasy uh into fantasy relevance this week against the Raiders you know yes I I believe in Sammy I think he's shown it numerous times over his career that he can play at a very high level I think you play him until he breaks you know maybe he maybe he makes it the whole season he's shown in the past that you know he's probably gonna break down but you can't just keep him on your bench because he might, because he could go five or six or seven games putting up, you know, eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown every other game. And you, But you, you can't leave that on your bench just because you think he's going to get injured like he always does. you got to play him until he's injured. Uh, McCall Hardman, I, I was actually kind of shocked at his usage after uh, Tyreek went out. Just because Tyreek was out most of the offseason, and they worked worked Hardman in his role pretty nonstop, and so I would have expected he he could have slid into it a little more seamlessly, but that certainly wasn't the case. Yeah, for me, I think right now I'm going to go ahead and believe in Sammy Watkins, though I am one of his more ardent uh, detractors. Uh, I don't think he's going to do anything close to what he did last week. Obviously, again, that was kind of a career night, uh, but I'm still not expecting a whole lot out of Sammy Watkins, but he is playing with the best quarterback in the league, so I could be wrong there. I do think Nicole Hardman takes a little bit of a step forward this week. Do I think he's going to be a a wide receiver two or even three for fantasy this week? No, Uh, but I do think he will show us a little bit of why they were so high on him and drafted him where they did for the Raiders side of things. Derek Carr looked much better. Tyrell Williams. 
Williams looked like a good wide receiver, too, and Darren Waller showed a lot of upside. What is your faith in Williams and Waller moving forward? I think they're both comfortable starts. I think Waller could push for, you know, top five or top six tight end uh, if he can maintain the consistency. You know, I'll, I'll take six and six catches for 70 yards or seven catches for 70 yards every week just because I know at least, you know, every two or three weeks he's going to get me a touchdown too. And that's a pretty high floor there. Uh, Tyrell Williams looked good. I think he's uh, set up and ready to take over that role. And uh, I was pleased with Josh Jacobs, too. Uh, it was kind of a Melvin Gordon first three years of his career performance, you know, 3.8 yards a carry. Um, but he, he looked good. Uh, he, you know, they're going to give him every opportunity to be the bow cow there. Uh, I, I've maintained all offseason. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think he can handle it. But, you know, until he shows he can't, let's ride him. Yeah, I'm right there with you on both of those. I think Tyrell Williams, if you were able to get him off your waiver wires, you just you, you just stole a, a high upside wide receiver too. And Darren Waller, with as weak as the tight end position is in fantasy, he's definitely worth the add and play. Uh, if he gets targeted and used anything like what we saw out of Jared Cook last year, he's going to be phenomenal for fantasy. Who are you picking in this one, the Chiefs or the Raiders? I'm going to take the Raiders at home. Okay, I like it. I was going to go there, but I didn't have the balls to do it. I'm going with the Chiefs. Just a few more games left here. Let's go Bears-Broncos. For the Bears side, Mitch Trubisky surrounded by weapons, but is yet still struggling to get it done. Are you at all considering starting Mitch in your leagues? And then outside of Allen Robinson, are you going to start any of the receiving options? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait to see on Anthony Miller. I, I like Miller a lot. I think he's going to bounce back. Um, I was a little disappointed with, uh, with Trey Burton out that Miller struggled so bad. I, I think some of that's attributed to Mitch. Um, but I, I'm still comfortable starting Cohen, starting Montgomery, uh, and starting A-Rob. Yeah, I think for me, Outside of Allen Robinson, he's the only receiving target that I'm willing uh, willing to start, especially after what we saw out of him in that Thursday night game. Mitch, uh, I'm starting him just based on what I think he can get you with his legs. I do think that was just a little bit of first game of the season, Thursday night football game, a lot of pomp and circumstance going around with that game being the 100th uh, oh, season opening of the 100th season and everything. I still believe in Mitch played a really good Green Bay defense. You've got, between the running backs here, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, and Mike Davis. So we saw Mike Davis get a lot of carry, though I thought David Montgomery looked the best running the ball. And we saw Tariq Cohen getting used more often as a wide receiver. Some of that doing, I think, with the fact that Anthony Miller was still dealing a little bit with an injury. Uh, are you willing to start either, neither, or all three of those running backs uh, this week against um, the, my goodness, I can't believe I just forgot who they're playing, Broncos. the Denver Broncos? You know, I, I expect, uh, I'd like to think that when they watched the tape, uh, they saw that Montgomery was a good pass catcher. I mean, he looked great on his one target there, uh, that he was dynamic in the hole and was able to, you know, showed, he, he showed, uh, some acceleration. Is he, does he go from zero to 90? Well, no, but we know that about him, but he goes from zero to 60. Quickly, he he's got that great jump cut. Give Montgomery some volume; he's going to be fine. Uh, you know, Davis is a jag. He's going to do. You, 
put him behind a good offensive line like the Bears, and he's going to put okay numbers up. And Cohen is the he's the Bears slot receiver. Yeah, I'm with you. If I had to start uh, either either all three or however, I, however you really want to do it, Cohen and Montgomery are the guys for me uh, not at all believing in Mike Davis. Though he did look good at times, David Montgomery looked phenomenal. I agree with you. I think they need to commit to him like the Oakland Raiders have committed to Josh Jacobs, and, and he will be very fruitful for them just like Josh Jacobs was for the Raiders. On the Broncos side of things, Joe Flacco looked like Joe Flacco, yet Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders both produced with him. Do you think they have a chance to come out and produce against a very tough Bears defense this week? I, I think I think if you have Sutton, you probably drafted him high enough that you have to start him. And maybe the same with Sanders. Um, you know, at, at the very least, they're going to be your flex guys. It's going to be a challenge for that offense all around. That Bears defense uh, is no joke. Uh, I guess the the upside to it is uh, Denver has the coach that designed that defense, so they may be able to attack it with some efficiency, uh, but I'm not counting on it. Yeah, I would start – I'd be willing to start both as flex-wide receivers this week. I think they've got uh, – they both have the, the upside potential, but again, against a very tough Bears defense, I don't expect either one of them to put up the numbers they did against the Raiders last week. And then lastly, Lindsey and Freeman. Uh, both of them had pretty much the same amount of carries. Freeman, just I believe a couple more than Lindsey. But Lindsey, way more active in the receiving game. So if you had to start one of those two, who are you starting? Well, I think if you're have to, if you you're only starting one, I think you're starting Lindsey because he's getting the receiving work as well. Um, but they both, they both did look pretty good. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out going forward. Yeah, I think you have to start the GOAT, Philip Lindsay. It's not even a question for me. I just wanted to see the answer you would give. Who are you picking, Bears or Broncos? Bears. I'm picking the Bears as well. The New Orleans Saints versus the uh, almost said the St. Louis. The Los Angeles Rams here. The other really good game on the docket this weekend. Drew Brees has tended to struggle on the road, though I do think Kamara and Michael Thomas easy starts regardless of what Drew Brees does. But with Brees struggling on the road, do you think that you can start Ginn or Cook with any kind of confidence this week? I've never started Cook with confidence. Okay. So I'm probably in that same boat there. I've never been a big believer in Jared Cook. Um, Ginn, he's a boomer bust guy. You know, yeah. it, it is what it is. He, he plays a specific role uh, on that team, and he plays it well. So if Breeze gets enough time against that Rams defense, then the potential is there for Ginn to produce, you know, top 36 wide receiver numbers. Uh, I don't think I'd expect much more than that out of him. Uh, you know, he may flash here or there throughout the season. But, you know, he's he's uh, – yeah, a boomer bust guy that's he's got an okay floor i guess but sometimes they just go away from him yeah so it, it's it's you know it's a roll of the dice 
Uh, for me, he's a bust this week. We talked about it on the, the Monday Night Preview Show. I said I thought Gim would have a good game. He came through for me there. I don't think he's able to produce against the Saints this week. Uh, but I would start Jared Cook with confidence. I think it's a little bit of a bad game for him. Uh, but I'm a believer in in Cook this week. On the Rams side, Jared Goff struggled against the Panthers. I'd imagine be coming back home, he'll be all right. Woods actually, Woods and Cup had good games last week, but Cook struggled. Uh, do you think all three of these guys have good games or, or one or two? What are you leading with this wide receiver group? I definitely think the opportunity is there for them to have good games, uh, if, especially if uh, Cooks gets matched up with Eli Apple. Uh, you know, God bless Eli Apple, the, the old Buckeye, but man, he's uh, of the 64 starting cornerbacks in the NFL. I think he's 64. Yeah, yeah, I, I am right there with you, unfortunately, on Eli Apple. All right, so that gives us to Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley. We saw Todd Gurley actually had a very good game, but Malcolm Brown gets the touchdown, kind of vultures him, and then on the second touchdown, he was in the in the whole drive. So I can't say that he vultured him on the second touchdown, but definitely did on the first one. Uh, if you have Malcolm Brown, are you are you consider starting him at maybe a flex spot, and are you comfortable start? Uh, that's a stupid question. You're just comfortable starting Gurley, guys. Come on, let's not overthink it. But Malcolm Brown, are you willing to throw him in your flex spot? It, it would depend on my options. I, I think last week, uh, last week was probably his ceiling. Yeah. Um, he, he, you know, the one, the one touchdown was what, 21, 22 yards. Yeah. You know, it was, he wasn't in the red zone. So it, it just, it was one of those situations. It's just how it worked out. I, I, I don't think he, it was really a, we're going to keep Gurley on the bench kind of thing. So Gurley had a good game. Just, you know, touchdowns can be fluky sometimes. Yeah, so, absolutely. And that, that's exactly my thoughts on it as well. I mean, he, he just got unlucky with those two, with that, with not getting the touchdowns. But if he gets both of those, Gurley has a phenomenal day, and he looks like he's back, and, and nobody's talking about Malcolm Brown this week. Uh, I would not feel comfortable starting Malcolm Brown in my flex, but give me Todd Gurley all day long. Who are you picking in the AFC Championship rematch, the Saints or the Rams? I'm taking the Rams again. I am taking the Saints to get a little bit of revenge here, at least I hope. Let's move into the Sunday night football game between what looks to be a very good game and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. So the Philadelphia Eagles started off slow in that second half, but Carson Wentz really kind of turned it on. Outside of Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz, are you willing to start any of these other receiving options? You know, I think you. I think you got to give Deshaun Jackson an opportunity. He seems to have shown that he's got some chemistry with uh, Carson Wentz, and and Wentz will take the shots. So, yeah, I, I'd give him. I'd, I'd give. I'd put D. Jackson as a startable, yeah. at the very least, in a flex spot. Yeah, see, I'm torn on DJX because he's much like the a player we just talked about, and Ted Ginn has all that boom-bust potential. I think he's likely more of a bust this week than boom, but I do agree with you. I think with what he showed you last week, you got to give him the shot. You've got to go ahead and throw him in your lineup, and, and you know what? Because much like Ted Ginn, it only takes that one play, and, and he's producing for you. So if you 
Maybe if you're desperate, throw him in your flex, but I would feel somewhat comfortable throwing him in your flex, especially with the way uh, that Atlanta just kind of got beat up in that game. I know mostly on the ground, but still, they're, they're, uh, their defense did not look good at all, so I'd be willing to throw him in there as well. What are you thinking on this backfield here? So obviously, in my opinion, Miles Sanders looked like by far the better running back on some of his plays. But Jordan Howard was in there a little bit, and Darren Sproles was in there a lot. Are you willing? To, who are you willing to start out of these three if you need a good game out of an RB two? You know, I think Darren Sproles and Frank Gore—they're part of the Men in Black team or something. I don't know. <laughs> they, they're, they're those two old son of a guns. Uh, I, I'm going to start. Uh, I, I'm probably starting Miles Sanders. I just think he's the be- best back of the three, the most versatile of the three. And uh, at some point, I got to believe Peterson, you know, if they're going to quote unquote ride the hot hand, at some point, Sanders's hand is going to be the hottest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that again. I thought he looked amazing in some of the runs. There was one, there was a couple bad runs he had, uh, and then he had a really good run. I can't remember, I think it was like a 30, 40 yarder, 20, maybe it was only 20 yards uh, that got called back due to a penalty. So, but I'm a huge believer in Miles Sanders. Everybody knows this. I've had him right there with David Montgomery uh, the entire offseason. I thought he proved that he could be the starter last week. I hope that they transition more to him being the guy this week. On the Falcons side of things, Matt Ryan had a great fourth quarter, much like Kyler Murray. We saw Devonta Freeman struggled a lot here. Now, some of that, I think, was probably game script and how fast and how quickly they got down to the Minnesota Vikings. Are you believing in Devonta Freeman to possibly have a bounce-back game this week? Yeah, and and I'm curious about game script because Freeman has always been a good pass catcher as well as a good good runner uh it's just the way the falcons have done it is they they employ a split backfield with one of the guys getting between 60 and 70 percent and that's historically been freeman um so i i feel like freeman will get his opportunities he's coming off an injury so maybe that played into it you know they're, they're kind of easing him back in after being injured last year uh julio and ridley i think you, you know you start your studs yeah, exactly. Julio and Ridley, no doubt about it. The Hooper Scooper, do you think he has another good game, or do you think he's going to poop the bed this week? You know, it's the tight end position, so, you know, you start him and you cross your fingers. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just that you, you've got the big three, and, every, you know, uh, O.J. Howard showed last night, everything else is cross your fingers. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. If I, if I have to trust him, I mean, I'm praying to God it happens, but I'm not feeling good about it at all. Who are you picking to win this Sunday night football game, the Philadelphia Eagles or the Atlanta Falcons? Going Eagles. Interesting. I like it. That's exactly who I am taking as well. All right. So let's get into it. By far the best game of the entire football slate, uh, mostly because I think the Browns really have a shot to win this one, and if they don't, The train is going to fall off the rails. It is the Browns and the Jets. Browns going into New York. Let's start with the Cleveland Browns. Do you expect Baker to have a bounce-back game here? I don't, as I stated on Monday's show, think that he had a bad game. It was still a game going into the fourth quarter. But, man, that fourth quarter was horrible. Add in all the penalties, the offensive line injuries, your left tackle kicking people in the face. I think the Browns are in for a much better game and, and more of what we hoped they would do. What are your thoughts on Baker and the Browns in this one? 
Well, they, they've got to get the penalties under a wrap, and you, you just can't be pushing yourself backwards the whole game, and uh, that's what they were doing. And then we have a suspect offensive line as it is, especially at left tackle, and to lose the best one of those suspects because of a stupid penalty, and then, then the guy that came in to replace him, his backup, played, what, two plays before he went out with an injury? Yeah. I think they were grabbing people out of the stands to play left tackle after that. Yeah, um, it, it was bad. So, I, I think I, I think Baker bounces back. Uh, I do. I think that we're gonna. Should we get we? Or I'm not gonna ask. I'm gonna state. We should probably get used to multiple interception games from Baker oh, yeah. because he thinks he can make every throw. So it's just gonna happen. That might be something we're going to have to learn to live with. That being said, uh, let let him go. Let him play his game. Put him in position. But but that position needs to be the upright and locked position. Got to keep him off his back. Yeah, I agree with you. That's something I've said about Baker the entire time. I love the kid. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. But he does like to throw some dangerous balls. And he's going to get picked quite often. So... Uh, I'm with you on that. I do think that he is he's going to throw multiple interceptions. That's just part of it. Chubb, I think, is going to have a good game here. I do think part of his struggles were also due to the issues with the offensive line. I'm not worried about Chubb moving forward in this one. If you had to choose one of these two wide receivers to start or have a big game on Monday night, who are you taking, Odell or Jarvis Landry? Taking Odell. As am I. I think Odell's going to have a huge game coming back into Monday night. At least I hope with all of the the talk that he has been doing about everything all offseason. I'd love for him to have a huge shut-up game this week. On the Jets' side, this is going to be the more interesting thing. So we know Le'Veon Bell had an MRI on his shoulder due to soreness. Probably does something to do with the fact that he played literally every single offensive snap last Sunday after not playing a game in over 500 games. Add in that now Sam Darnold is out with mono. We touched on it on Thursday's uh, episode. Looks like he will not be back till probably week five. As in the mono takes, um, it takes a lot out of you. You you will lose weight, a bunch of other different stuff going on with that. I've never had it, uh, but obviously it takes a little bit of time to get over. They're saying they're likely not going to push him back very quickly. They do have a bye week in week four, so maybe give him a couple weeks rest and then and aim for him to come back and start in week five. Trevor Simeon gets the start here. Don't have a whole lot of confidence in him, though he has proven that he can be a comparable starter when he started in Denver. With him being the starter, outside of Le'Veon Bell, who is obviously an easy and must start, I believe Jamison Crowder can have a good game here, and I would still be willing to throw him into a flex spot. Would you be willing to trust anybody else, and would you be willing to start Jamison Crowder this week? Yeah, just because I think he's going to get volume. Uh, you know, Simeon is known as a checkdown kind of guy, so things are going to be close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, if the Jets are going to win this, they've got to figure out how to get the ball downfield, and who is that going to be? You know, is Robbie going to be healthy enough to to be in there and play? I, I don't even know now that uh, Inun was out. Yeah, uh, I'm not, and Demarius isn't going to be playing yet. So I'm not even sure who who the third wide receiver is off the top of my head. 
Oh, goodness, who is it? I was, I was just looking at this the other day. So you obviously have Robbie Anderson, who I don't think is going to have a good uh, – Braxton Berrios, but I think he's dealing with an injury. And, I, yeah, I'm not even sure who it is either. I think yeah, – let me look here. It is Braxton Berrios, Josh Bellamy. So, yeah, I'm not yeah. trusting anybody outside of Jamison Crowder, unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be a long day. I hope, I hope, I hope that the Browns put up like 41 points because they need they need a big shut-up game. Although, even if they win this one, everybody's going to be saying, well, it's because the Jets were were beat up and you were expected to win this one now with Simeon being out. So who are you picking, the Cleveland Browns or the New York Jets? You know, in a shocker, I'm going to J- Browns. Yeah, as am I. Well, that is it right there. That covers the full slate. Obviously, uh, we will be back. Uh, everybody enjoy your weekend of football, college, and NFL Week 2. Hopefully, you guys can get a, uh, a win here. The Fantasy Gods will grant you a win this week. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me for this preview episode. Have yourself a good weekend. I look forward to talking to you again soon. I'll talk with you later, and I'd like to wish my wife a happy 23rd anniversary tomorrow. Or yes. Saturday when this will come out. I hope that you. Oh, it'll go up tonight, buddy. And I, I do. Oh. I wish both of you a, a happy anniversary as well. Twenty three years. Congratulations to you both, and have a fun celebrating that on Saturday. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's in the end zone. Who can make a break? I can! Who can make a break? <laughs>